0: All right, I'm going to talk about God's supernatural ways, and um, I would not be a Christian if God was not supernatural. And I do not understand Christians who are not interested in the supernatural aspects of a relationship with God. It makes no sense to me personally. Um. But I know you wouldn't be going to church in a bar if you didn't have some hunger for God. So uh, that preface was not really intended for you. But I've been amazed, honestly, why um, there can be such an uproar when God does something what we would consider to be unusual. There's a big church out in Colorado, and I'm friends with a pastor. And I got a text this weekend and said, well, the pastor quoted you this weekend But he also said you were strange. But you were the good strange. Well, see what people don't understand is I'm the new normal. Who's in charge of the definition of strange? You know that's what I'm. I'm, No, he said a little crazy. I'm the I'm a good kind of crazy. But who's in charge of that definition? I mean, to me, if you're not um, seeing God do great things in your life, you're abnormal. Is that condescending or is that sort of poor? No, but you know what I'm saying. But oftentimes, um, God's marvelous, above normal participation in our lives are, are connected to how hungry we are for him. Because, um, put that first slide up there. I want to, I give a little, a couple of topics about what we're going to talk about. Yet, when we talk about God's supernatural ways, and I could really preach on this for the next three years, the first point is this, God is not the way we think he is, he is the way he is. And you would be amazed at how many people um, think God should be the way they think he should be. And that's basically the primary reason we don't get along with God that well sometimes, is we're expecting Him to change and He's expecting us to change. And um, He is much more persistent in that than we will ever be. So God's not the way we think He is. He's the way He is. And two basic ways we discover what He's like is through the Bible and through our personal experience. Now, I don't know if you can hang with me here, but what I'm telling you really is true. There are most times... The Bible describes what our experience should be. But then there are other times our experience actually gives insight into what the Bible actually means. And so we can't separate uh, what we know about God from the Scriptures from a living relationship with Him. So God's the way He is, not the way we think He is. Okay, number two. Our prayers are alive in heaven when we think they're forgotten or ignored. How many of you happy about that? Read that outline with me. Our prayers are alive in heaven when we think they are forgotten or ignored. Okay, the next one. God's promises are often time-sensitive. How many of you remember the old Dristan commercial? Nobody. Now, somebody needs to go watch some 1950s black and white TV if you're going to catch that with me. Well, Dristan was a headache remedy or maybe um, some other kind of pain relief. And the idea behind Dristan was you had, in the capsule, you had different ingredients. And different, different each little ingredient was a little small pellet and there were different colors. And the reason they were different colors were different colors released their medicinal value at different times. It was a time-release medication. Well, God's promises are often time-sensitive. Um, you don't want something... Some of the things we want we would, ab- would absolutely do a sin if we got them before we were prepared to handle them. How many of you know that? That really is true. And you have to remember this too. Just because you've prayed something and have no idea God will really do it does not mean that's exactly what he wants to do in your life, but it needs to be done at the right time for it to really be of value. What does that mean? That means you shouldn't give up on your prayers. Matter of fact, once you pray some things, you should never pray them again. You should just go back and remind the Lord what you told him. Sometimes you need to tell the Lord, remind him what he's told you. How many of you have unanswered promises from God? How about the rest of you, you still breathing? No, How many? raise them real high. Raise them up there. Come on. Don't make me come back there and be mean. I will. I've got it in me. No. Um, Yet God's promises are oftentimes sensitive. Um, We'll see a little bit of that here in the verses we're going to read. God grades on the curve. How many of you are happy about that? Yeah, that's really good when you're immature, but it gets bad when you're supposed to be more mature because God grades on the curve. In other words, he doesn't treat a one-year-old Christian like he does a person that's been a Christian one year, he probably won't treat them the same way he would treat a a Christian who's been a Christian for 25 years. Why? Because God grades on the curve. He's wise. He's merciful. He knows what he's doing, but he expects us to continually step up and step into the life of, we have and the promises we have. So God, let's say that together. Look at somebody you don't like and say this. God grades on the curve. on the I'm just trying to see who's awake. Come on. Let's say that again. God grades on the curve. That is such good news. It means, since I am the most spiritual person in the room, he's harder on me than all the rest of you. That's why you should be praying for me. No, nah, I mess with you. Okay. What's the next one? Let's read that together. God wants you to believe and trust him. Let's say that another time. Some of these need to register. God wants you to believe and to trust him. And then the last one, let's read that together. He often confirms what he has promised. All right, I know we won't get to uh, half of what I have here today. But I'm just going to do it anyway. And if the kids start yelling and screaming and you get up and leave, you're in trouble. Come on, folks, I'm just, gosh, it's just such a, it's my 40th anniversary. It's like you've turned on me like a pack of wild animals or something. My goodness. Please don't enjoy yourself this morning. Don't find any humor. I I want no courtesy, Snickers. If I can't earn your amens and your laughter, I simply don't want it. How many of you have seen that latest dance crave called shuffling? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You got... What is it? What? No? What is it? Any of you? It's like urban urban clogging with uh, sporadic moving of the hands and a few moonwalks. You know? So, okay. See, some of you that are laughing right now are laughing because you really do know about it. And... Uh, you think I shouldn't, or you just, I don't know, whatever. But it ain't like nudity or something. Come on, folks. What? I'm having trouble getting you folks uh, in line here. Is Donna, okay? Yeah, I do. okay. <laughs> if you ever see my wife go pale, I'm in huge trouble <laughs> by anything I say. Okay. All right, let's, let's read a couple of um, slides worth of verses here. You want to do this out loud? Oh, awesome, good. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Let me tell you what's going on first. Um, A priest named Zacharias and his wife Elizabeth don't have any children because she's barren. Now they're old. They don't expect to have any children. And an angel appears to him and changes his mind. And this is what this story is about. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, Zacharias standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Some translations actually put in there, the prayer you are no longer praying is heard. Why would that be so? Because your prayers are alive in heaven. That means some of those things you think will never happen, they're going to happen because your prayers are alive in heaven. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Let's go to the next one. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak, until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. A couple of things I think we need to pay attention to here. Number one is angels are real. The Bible gives a certain amount of evidence to the fact that every one of you has an angel that's assigned to your life. I won't go into all that, but I know that to be true. There's verses I could, I could go to. Another thing we need to recognize is when God does new things in our lives, oftentimes our first response is to be afraid. Over and over and over we find in the New Testament, particularly when something supernatural happens or an angel appears to someone, they almost always have to say, don't be afraid. So fear can be a real enemy of us entering into what God has for us. Another thing we see here is at times God will reveal specific details about the future to help us believe. I don't know how many of you were here several years ago, but a a friend of mine named Sean Bolts came. Unannounced. I didn't invite him. And he was here for a funeral. I was glad for him to be here. And he told me he felt he had a few things that the Lord had shown him for our church. And I trust him, he's a, he's a tremendous man. And so he got up and spoke probably about 10 minutes and gave 30 accurate words of knowledge about people in the church. And it was so accurate, people accused him of cheating, of getting on Facebook and looking all this stuff up. And I said, okay, think about that for a small moment, please. How did he know we're going to let him speak? And how could he know Sheila's mother and father and sister's name and Josh's sister's name and um, the Hurchin's daughter's name And Amanda's middle name and my anniversary and John, Mark, and Sarah's daughter's name. And more stuff than I can even remember, he had by word of knowledge. See, those kinds of gifts... Should be rampant in the church because when you can see how real God is, when you, when it suddenly shakes you out of your lethargy, when it suddenly destroys your, you don't even know, we don't even know how much unbelief and negativity that clouds our thinking on a regular basis. And it was, and amongst, Among spiritual people, because I count people here to be spiritual. But I had some very spiritual people tell me that was a fraud and not reality. Why would someone say that? It's because we don't realize how much help we really need from God. And we do not realize how supernatural he will move in our midst. Because he really wants to. I have heard this and it's true. There's some spiritual gifts in that whole word of knowledge realm that are so remarkable and so profound, God won't release them because instead of breeding faith, it would breed wide scale unbelief and um, criticism. But when someone you don't know tells you intimate things about your life, In the name of the Lord, it has the capacity to break you over into a realm of experience and fulfilled promise that you could hardly even believe. And so here we have a picture of an angel appearing to this old man, this old priest. And he basically tells him, the prayers you are no longer praying have been heard and we're going to answer them. And then he gives details about the life of his son. How many of you know Zechariah and Elizabeth could not have made John the Baptist an Elijah-level prophet? You cannot make your children into something like that. Either they become that through God and whatever, or they don't. And yet that is exact, every single thing Zacharias heard for his son came to pass. Elizabeth got pregnant. Now, I said God gra- grades on a curve. Let's go to these next couple of slides. I want to talk about Mary. I want to show you why that is true and how that actually works. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Let's go to the next slide. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? What does that sound like? What happened earlier with Zacharias? I'll read it. How shall I know this for I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years? What did the angel do to Zacharias because he doubted? He wouldn't let him speak for nine months. It's a little severe, isn't it? Well, what if he could have talked away his promise? Do you realize there's a relationship between what you believe and what you say? For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. He was probably doing that old man a favor. And then certain things began to happen to his, him physically and her physically, and they suddenly began to go, oh... Maybe something's going on here. So, then there's Mary. So what does Mary say to the angel? How can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Let's read that last verse. For with God, nothing will be impossible. And so here's the scene. Zacharias doesn't receive the supernatural report even though it happens in in a way he could not deny was supernatural, and even though it was directly connected to what would be considered the unanswered prayer, Zacharias and Elizabeth had all the years of their married life. And so the angel basically says, I'm not going to let you talk until it comes to pass. And so for nine months... Zacharias can't speak, he's mute. Then here's this teenage girl, and an angel appears to her and tells her, although you will not have intercourse, you will become impregnated by the Holy Spirit, and you will give birth to the Messiah, the very Son of God. And she goes, oh, 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 how can that be? And what does the angel do? He very patiently talks her through the process. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High shall overshadow you. That which would be born. And then he says, and by the way, you remember your barren cousin Elizabeth? She's six months pregnant. And so what does Mary do? Mary goes to Elizabeth's house to see if she's pregnant. says so she made haste. And if you measure those months out, the six months that Elizabeth was pregnant, Mary goes to her house probably the very week the angel appeared to her. And when she walks into Elizabeth's door and greets her, Elizabeth says, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Elizabeth said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed... For there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. So Mary walks into Elizabeth's house to see if what the angel told her was actually true. Because if that was true, then she could have confidence that what she was told would be true as well. And so she walks in. Let's say she was already pregnant. I don't know if she was or not. I don't know how that worked. I don't know the exact timing. But when she walked in the door... She had to be pregnant because John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leapt. And Elizabeth knew by a word of knowledge everything that had happened to Mary because, in the first week of being pregnant, you aren't showing, there's no outside evidence. That you have actually believed and received what God has promised. We have got to understand that. When we believe what God tells us about even impossible things, there may be no clear evidence that he's at work doing them, but that does not mean he is not at work. And we need to continue to agree with the things we have heard and with the prayers we have given that we know He's given us a promise for so that we can see the fulfillment of those promises. So Mary walks... Now, Mary and Elizabeth did not talk on the phone. It took her six to eight days walking ten or riding in a caravan to 20 miles a day to get to her house She walks into her house unannounced, and there's something so remarkable at work there that the minute she says hello, John the Baptist, who's six months in the womb, jumps in Elizabeth's body, and Elizabeth begins to prophesy to Mary every single thing the angel had told her without Elizabeth knowing anything about it. That's what God's like. Why was, why was there no discipline when Mary really didn't believe initially? She basically said, be this unto me according to your word. But she questioned the same way Zacharias questioned. It's because Zacharias was more mature. He'd been a priest all his life. He had actually prayed for that child and still did not believe. So he had a certain discipline. But Mary was 18 years old. I don't know that she ever said, Lord, I sure would like to birth the Messiah. I mean, how many women are volunteering for that task? Make sure I'm not married, you know. Make this look as humbling and as embarrassing and as immoral as humanly possible. And it's amazing to me, if you talk about the ways of God, He would do something that seemed so immoral to bring about the single, only, truly moral man who had ever lived. God graves on the curve. He doesn't expect you to be any more mature Particularly when you're young, than you already are. But he wants you to grow up. He really does. He wants you to grow up. Anyway, I love all this stuff. I'm excited. You know, when Donna and I met back in the early 1970s, I think we probably met in 1972 or 73 i 've told this story before, but it 's just such a wonderful part of our supernatural life together we um were really not dating at the time, but we went on a short term missions trip It was probably five weeks, and we went to Ireland England, Germany, Holland, um, Lebanon, and israel and It was the first overseas trip I had ever made, and we went New York to Dublin, Ireland. And when we landed in Ireland, we went to a, they called them then youth hostels, but it was just these little places, a bunch of people go spend a night cheap. And the minute I got there and dropped my bags, I had two Bible references come to mind. Not the verses but the reference, in other words, if it were John 3.16, it would simply have been that, John 3.16, not for God so love the world. So these two Old Testament Bible verses I had never probably read at that point in my life came to mind. And I couldn't shake them. So I wrote them down and I looked them up. And the first one was First Chronicles 2.27, and it said, The sons of Ram, the firstborn of Jeramiel, were Maaz, Jamin, and Eker. Which is a crazy, which, you know, what is up with that? (laughs) Then it dawned on me, those are my initials. R-A-M. Sons of, were, you're not going to repeat that. Mayas, Jamin, and Eker. Of course, I'm not married. I'm not thinking about kids. I'm not thinking about anything. I'm just on this ministry trip fresh out of college. So then I looked the second one up, which was Genesis 29, 3. She conceived again and bore a son and said, Now this time my husband will become attached to me because I have borne him three sons. And I just couldn't shake the fact that the Lord was speaking to me in an unusual way. And that has marked my life, honestly. It has marked my life. What was he saying? Well, I testified. I said, I believe The Lord had shown me through these two verses of Scripture, the two things that are common in both of them are three sons. And there's that sons of Ram thing. Those are my initials. I told all my friends on that trip, the Lord's going to give me three sons. I'm going to get married. He's going to give me three sons. And, of course, they all took great delight in ridiculing me. (laughs) Mercilessly for a good while. Until I got married and had three sons. And I was in the same church, I think, by the time Andy came. That's my third son. And so all the people that were on that trip, I asked him. I don't know if I did this quite this way, but it's as though I asked him to stand up in a church meeting one Sunday night. And I said, you guys remember uh, how you made fun of me about this whole Sons of Ram thing? And I said, well, here's my third son, and you should all really be ashamed of yourself <laughs> for the unbelief you manifested six or seven years ago. Well, then a tricky thing happened. She got pregnant again. And we learned early on it was going to be a little girl. And so um, right about that time, now I'm crazy, but I'm good crazy. But I want you to be just as crazy, honestly. Everyone should be just like me. I was driving up the highway and I pulled up behind this dirty transfer truck and someone had written in the dirt on the back, test. And I went, oh, test. Wonder what that's all about. Probably nothing. But as I was looking at it, Jay Vernon McGee was on the radio. I used to listen on the radio all the time. Awesome, weird old character. He was reading this. Bell bows down, Nebo stoops. Their idols were on the beast and the cattle. Your carriages were heavily loaded, a burden to the weary beast. They stoop, they bow down together, they could not deliver the burden, but have themselves gone into captivity. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, and all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been upheld by me from birth, who have been carried from the womb. Even to your old age I am he, and even to gray hairs I will carry you. I have made and I will bear, even I will carry and will deliver you. So I'm Stopped at a stoplight looking at tests and listening to this on the radio. Then J. Vernon McGee said, Many people try to carry and support God. That's what this was about. The heathen carry their idols and are greatly burdened by them, just as the prophet Isaiah reports. But the true God wants to carry us, even to our old age, to our gray hairs. Yes, he wants to carry us. Will we let him? This is the test. Now, thought. There's a test coming. Well, it turns out, in the middle of Donna's pregnancy, her water broke. And usually that signals you're going to lose a child. Not always, but most of the time, that's that's not a good signal. So she'd already had three children. She knew what it was to have her water break. We got up the next morning, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, No, you're fine. All your... Fluids are great. You must have wet the bed. Donna said, Rob, I can tell the difference in those two functions. <laughs> but we had to believe that was the test. Was God, because the whole time the enemy was saying, yeah, God told you you're going to have three boys because the, the daughter's not going to make it. We didn't know it was a daughter at that time. Well, you messed up my whole testimony, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. I'm joking, I mean. <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In closing, <laughs> actually, the truth of the matter was we didn't know because if I would have had a fifth son, it would have invalidated the four-son ministry, but it was a daughter. She's beautiful. She's their biggest producer of mother, mother, and um, God is supernatural. He'll even use people like me, so what are you going to do? Come on. Let's give it up for the Lord. Come on. Well, that's like a 95% good message right there, but... I'm awesome. Am I? Okay, just checking. Don't want to lose any credibility here. We have ministry teams and um, what we do is we will pray for you and we will pray for you if you are sick and need any kind of healing. We will pray for you and the Lord oftentimes speaks to us prophetically and it's not the kind of prophecy that um, uncovers you. It's the kind that helps and encourages and empowers you to be all that God's called you to be so if you would like some of that kind of ministry you can come right up over here on this side of the building and we will we'll be glad to pray for you